Okay, in this episode, I talk with my friend and client, Damascene. He shares his story. It's a fascinating story. I had a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And listen, I'm as excited as I can be today. We always love it when clients come into the studio. And I have a fabulous young man here that has an incredible story. And he's been, you know, kind enough to share his time with us and have a conversation that, you know, you get to the uh, opportunity to listen to. So just say hi, Damazine. Hi, everyone. Okay, now listen. Um, you know, this, so Damascene is a relatively new client, you know, several months, six or so months, but, um, and I'm not going to tell a story. He's here to tell a story. Yeah. Right. And, uh, thanks for coming in Damascene. Sincerely. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here today. Perfect. Look, this is, he's been in the office two or three times. Right? This is my second time. Second time. Yeah. September, 2021. Yeah. Uh, doing my first policy. Yeah. Now, uh, six months later, I think I have uh, seven policies so far. That's crazy. Yeah. But there's a reason for that. There is. Yeah. yeah. And so, and he's, you're a truck driver. <laughs> I am. You have a trucking company. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know a lot of truck drivers listen mm-hmm. into the podcast. And I want to say thank you very much for listening. We appreciate everything that y'all do. Um, and I'm assuming that's how. That's how I make my living. Yeah. I've been uh, in the trucking industry for 14 years. Wow. You're not even that old. Nah, <laughs> I started right after I turned 21 years old. I got it. Because uh, uh, just like uh, we just spoke previously that uh, I am an immigrant. Yeah, let's, let's start where <laughs> here's your story, because I'm telling you, it's incredible. You couldn't, I couldn't yes. try to tell this story. I mean, I, I, even if I tried, I, I wouldn't do it justice. So Yes. Okay. Um, 2004, we were immigrated here in the United States of America. Yeah. Thanks for the United States government. Uh, I, re- I lived in Africa in our country, Tanzania. Tanzania? Yeah. We lived there for 11 years as refugees. Uh, my uh, mother country is uh, Burundi. Burundi, yeah. Tanzania is our neighboring country. Okay. Um, a war broke into our country. A lot of people, the citizens began to kill each other. So... I am the survivor from the war. How, how old were you? I mean, if you were a refugee in Tanzania yeah. for 11 years, mm-hmm. how old were you in your mother country from Burundi when, whenever the I war was eight out? years old, eight years old uh, when we left the country. Yeah. So I went to school in Tanzania. But uh, since we were refugees, we uh, the government assume that we are Burundians, so we will continue to study in Burundi, Burundi uh, program. Okay. Since there was, I hope that at some point we end up returning to our country. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't the chance because the conflict continued and it kept prolonging for so long. So we ended up having to come to the United States after eleven years, just by the grace of God. Right. Because uh, life there, you really have to depend on the United Nations to feed you, to put food on the table. It is really? uh, Dependency upon the United Nations. And yes. then war breaking out in Africa. Well, that's gone on for hundreds of years. Yeah. And it's like 
people make a lot of money from that, and they're all typically governments. But yeah. okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. So as a, as a result, we come we came to America 2004. Finally, we made it. We landed in Fort Worth, uh, DFW Airport, and uh, within four months. Then that's when I, I began to realize what we were taught was totally different. You cannot make a living going the way we were taught at school. Yeah. Did you speak English? No. No. I didn't. It was actually very difficult to unlearn because uh, I was, to this point, I was 19 years old. And uh, I attempted to get to high school, but they said, you are too old enough. So the system will not take you. Mm-hmm. They recommended that I can go to uh, a col- to a college, but uh, the financing side of it that became another obstacle. So go to college, go to college without <laughs> being able to speak English fluently. Without speaking English fluently, I automatically saw that uh, it wasn't an option because I spoke a lot of French. And uh, French wasn't the language that is used officially in America. Right. So that told me that uh, I'm out of luck. (laughs) (laughs) So in four months, um, the agency that received us, they told us that uh, we were on our own. Welcome to America. You're on your own. You're you too old your to own. go to college or yes. to school. You are on your own. You are in a country. At this point, uh, we wanted uh, to, we demanded that they take us back to Africa mm. because we couldn't envision life. Yep. Yeah. The only thing we couldn't envision was going back to Africa and then continue from the way we used to live. Yeah. But at the same time, no peace in our country. You, we wondered if we go back, we'll, we may be killed. So I told my father, if we're going to die, let's fare forward. So December of uh, 20, 2004, we ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went, we had our other family members that we used to live together. They came prior in 1998. They knew as well because my father was a respected man in the community. So we had a chance. We found this family that knew as well. So they gave us shelter to live with them. So we lived with them for about, uh, since uh, December. December, yeah. December 2004 until May of 2005. Oh. Oh, do this time, the way I, ta- I learned how to speak English and be able to communicate with yeah. anyone, I went to the library, no, uh, to family data. They, they, they do sell pens and notebooks. I, I bought one notebook and, uh, and a pen. I began to pray just like you see me hanging here. <laughs> right. So my job was to let them speak and listen. They will be speaking and I will be writing, taking notes. So it took me three years to be able to understand the basics 
Yeah. Three years to understand the basics. Yes. So from 2004 to until 2007, to this point, I was doing the regular job, like doing the housekeepings and into universities. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was making $5 an hour. Uh, that is how I learned to save money. <laughs> Saving money was the only choice. Yep. Um, the five dollars. I worked for that job for about ten months. I had saved about twenty five hundred dollars because we had to share rent with my my father. The moment we got employed, we found our own place to live. That's about ten thousand dollars a year. No, it wasn't five dollars an hour. It was you saved about twenty five hundred. Yeah, it wasn't enough, so we we had to share my share and my dad sure. to be able to to afford the rent. So everything was about learning. So I, that job, once I once I saved enough money for a down payment on a car, I, my friend uh, he told me that uh, he knew a dealer that can finance me a car. Yeah. Then I would be making a whole monthly payment. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> that is the starting of point for, for me to begin using debt yeah. to make a living in real life. Because the salary, the wage, it wasn't enough to cover the day-to-day living expenses. Sure. We lived in, in that situation. Um, once I bought my first car, I told my dad, I'm, it's time to find another job that can pay, make at least a better pay. So I left the job. I want him to come with me. He had no chance. They said, you forgot to speak English. He is your, he is your age. He couldn't yeah. to this day. So I told him, I'm going to do everything I can in my power, make sure we can make a living. So I began to go from one job to another, one job to another. And because of my difficulties speaking the English language, I tell you, I learned, I learned the English just by uh, having to. I will go knock on the employer. They will give me the application. I will begin to fill it out. I will be reading the application. Then I will be taking notes as well. Then uh, when I fired, uh, when I filled my first application, they said, you are hired. I was like, what a success. <laughs> <laughs> what a success. Finally, uh, I was hired. I began to do uh, cleaning one house to another. Mm-hmm. I did that for about another 10 months. And then uh, I also realized that uh, every penny that I was making was going to the car, and then uh, the rest was going to the rent. I also realized it wasn't enough. After taxes. After all the taxes. <laughs> and the other thing that kind of got me angry was that I worked. I didn't know that in America when you are working, you get taxed first. So I would be working, then they take the taxes off of the paycheck. Yeah. I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> You're paying me this, but I'm getting this. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the year, I will go do uh, my taxes. They said, you made a lot. <laughs> right. I, like, I can't even afford the living. Now you're saying that I made a lot. Yeah. Uh, then I was like, yeah, this is country. It's not what we thought it was. Then uh, 
2007, no, two, September 2006, I told my dad we need to get out of here. Because the, out of the, Nashville? Yes. Out of here? Yeah. Then we ended up moving to Iowa. Iowa? <clears throat> yes. I married a lovely lady from Iowa. Yes. Yeah. Um, September 2006, we moved to Iowa. And then to that day, life changed forever. Then uh, once we got there, we found a lower this the state. They they have this low cost of living. You will be making about nine dollars ten hour ten dollars an hour, but you in two paychecks can pay rent. Yeah. Then I saw fifty percent. If I lived with my parents, I can save the I can save fifty percent of my paycheck. And then uh, I continued to live with my parents until. Uh, March of uh, 2007. To this point, now I can uh, English speaking. I can communicate to it with the employer. Yeah. Then uh, I told my pa- my dad that uh, I'm going to learn how to be a truck driver. Yeah. See, I was learning, 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 learning. Then uh, finally, I got my CDL permit. I failed it three times. So. But I kept pushing since it was the only choice. At the same time, I had this too, this too much fear in me that I didn't know how to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I've, I've ta- I was taught that uh, when you are failing, failing is bad. It was kind of in my brain. But since failing was the only way to go, so I kept failing. Then I got my first permit. Now it was time to go to school, to learn how to drive it. Yeah. So finally, uh, the financing side came came about. I was like, "How am I gonna finance it?" I kept searching all over the city. I found this company that were willing to pay for my school. Then I would work for them for about a a month. So they would provide all the trainings. Then I took that class. They paid for my school. I worked for them for 10 months. So then I was driving from California to Pennsylvania, Massachusetts on a weekly basis, East Coast to West Coast. Then uh, I did that for about one year. Then I was married to my wife. I brought her when we were getting my first policy. Uh-huh. Yeah. How'd y'all meet? And I met her. I mean, yeah, you met her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and most of your, well, some of your children. Yeah. Yes. But how'd y'all meet? Yes. So when I was dating with my wife, I tell her, don't, don't assume that I'm rich. I'm a poor person. <laughs> we are immigrants. We're still trying to build our own. Yeah. So by the grace of God, we're going to make it, but it's not going to be easy. And then uh, she said, I'll stick with you. So Thank goodness, huh? She did. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. did. Uh, until today, we have four kids. Um, as I, I developed all those experiences, 2014, that's when I bought my first semi-truck. You bought your first semi-truck in 14. But look, before we get there, how did y'all meet? How did you meet your wife? Uh, we actually grew up in the same refugee camp. Oh, okay. Did you know her there? I knew her. Her father was my best friend's dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. I got it. 
she knew me a little bit, but as we, but when we came to America, we were kind of separated because right. uh, she came three years later. Then uh, when she came, I was uh, ready to find a partner. Sure. Since I'm a Christian, I do not believe in dating women like we have in America. Like our people have a boyfriend and girlfriends. Yeah. But that's not part of our culture. So we believe in that you grow up, you build a strong family foundation financially, you build a house. Yeah. Once that is complete, your parents will decide whether you're growing enough or matured enough yeah. to marry. So that's the path that I took. So I never wanted to get involved in having a girlfriend because I kind of realized that that can uh, ruin my future. <laughs> 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 what a concept. <laughs> okay, so then 2014, you, you're like, okay, I'm driving. I like it. You know, yeah. I'm doing okay, doing well enough. I want to buy a truck and go out on my own. Or Yeah, since uh, 2007 to 2014, I was going from one company to another. Yeah. Um, I worked f with uh, three companies in that time frame. Yeah. I started, I went from the first company that trained me to get my CDL for one year. And then... Uh, from that, I went to another local company. I worked with them for three years. At uh, this point, I was making about <laughs> just $11 an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was me with my wife. So from 2009 to 2012. And then uh, as I, I, ha I had my first child, I also saw that eleven dollars wasn't enough, <laughs> <laughs> right? Twenty-two thousand a year, yeah. Roughly, no, it wasn't. I think it was about nineteen, and sometimes was making six hours a day. Yeah, okay. So I, I couldn't make it. It right. was kind of limited to eight hours a day, but uh, five dar five days a week. I got it. Yeah, so it was almost to that, but uh, I, I see. So that I was struggling as well yeah sure gotta pay taxes on that and then yeah. you know live on the after yeah so i was taking home about uh sixteen thousand at after the taxation working so, hard still working not hard yeah. away from home but still struggling to make a living yeah and then uh i rented for seven years from 2000 or I'm lying, actually. I ran it for 10 years. I just bought my first mortgage three years ago, 2018. Well, wait, let's don't go. Let's jump over the truck. I want to know how that went, 2014. Oh, coming to buy my first truck, uh, it was uh, now that I, I've learned all the experience, I've learned the ins and outs of the industry and how to make a living in it. It kind of picked up my imagination because I was fueling the truck. Yep. I also believe that because in the trucking industry, you are inspected by the DOT officials. So you are driving every single day. You, are, you have to come through a scale where they inspect every truck. So they have this regulation that kind of strict truck drivers to behave in certain way. Yeah. So I was subjected to that. And then... Uh, I realized if I can be making $22,000 gross per year, 
and the company is been paying all the fuel and the insurance, and they also need to make money off of it. Quickly, I saw that there was money in it. Yeah. Then uh, that is the starting point of realizing that I need to save a lot of money so I can buy my first truck. <laughs> right. A lot of it. And then uh, I went. I began to go to the market to shop around to find the best truck that I can find on the market. Right. And then the dealership, I discovered that those trucks were so expensive. So. My first truck that I was about to finance, uh, it was uh, $80,000. It was a used truck for a year old, but uh, I wasn't, it was like a nightmare once I got it. So once I got my first truck, my income tripled. Triple. It went okay. from 500 per week mm-hmm. to 2500 per week because... I had all of those control. Right. The only thing that I couldn't control was the breakdowns. Right. Yeah. The truck began to break down so often. I was like, hmm, now, now this is another lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cash flows increased Ca- and so did the my, expenses. My cash so. flow increased, yeah. but it, I, it was kind of bringing down the drain yeah. through the technicians. And I also learned that the technicians were so expensive. So I realized during from 20, 2007 to 2014, yes, uh, all the previous trucks that I was driving for company drivers, uh, they still, yes, they did break down, but to my degree, it was, it was beyond my imagination. Yeah. I, I wondered, what did I do wrong right. with all these previous years of experience? Then I began to turn to my other federal truck drivers that had already bought their first trucks. Then I discovered we were all struggling the same way. Yep. Breakdowns, breakdowns, breakdowns. And then uh, at the end of the year, I did all my calculations and it's time to do my taxes. Now I'm learning how to run a business on my own. <laughs> I discovered that I lost $100,000 in repairs. Wow. Yeah. Then at, at the same time, I also realized that if I can buy a brand new truck, it'll come with that reliability. Then all that a uh, hundred thousand, it'll come back to my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and I told my wife, these lessons were tough. It got me to the point where I thought my wife was going to divorce me. Mm. It kind of dug me into a hole that it took me three years to dig out. Three years from 2014 until 2018. You see how it was kind of connecting. I told my wife, I'm working for the family. I'm not working for me. If you can be patient, we are going to break through. But it'll take us three years after all my research and all the experiences. So I almost went bankrupt to that point. During this time, 2014 to 2018, now that I already realized that financing these things was a huge liability, I went to the bank, I requested my line of credit. Yep. But prior requesting to that line of credit, I had a, an apparel store with my friend. We were bankrupt. Uh, I lost another 20000 there. He, he went bankrupt, and then uh, I, I had to eat his 
his share, just like Nelson describes it in the book, like when he was going through the those difficult times in uh, in the eighties. Yeah, it was like when I read the book, it was like he's talking to me. Mm. Yeah, so all the relationship ended. He began to run away from since he owed the money to me. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I tried to get him back. So money will not be the issue to be separated, but he wanted to, to, to stay away from me. Yeah. So then uh, it was 2017. Well, uh, what'd she say for you three years if she would be patient? She said, okay, right? I was so patient. No, your wife, when you're saying. My wife, yeah. she, she advised me that I need to take the truck back to the dealership. Mm. And then, uh, but she was going to be patient with you while you're digging out of the hole. The yes, financial she hole. was going to be patient with me. Yeah, and but uh, since we were we were struggling to even pay rent because all the money was bringing, I was making was I was yeah. losing it to the breakdowns because I was fighting to not go bankrupt. Right. Yeah, I told my wife, um, right now all the goals or the objective that I was trying to achieve, things had shifted because of this situation that I had to overcome. I've went to two dealerships to see if they couldn't exchange it and give me a reliable truck that they rejected. Then I was like, yeah, now I'm stuck with it. Because if I was going to return the truck back to the dealer, I was going to go bankrupt. Yeah. They were going to sell it for less than send me a, a bill for the remainder. You're right. That's that, how it works. That the truck wasn't making. <laughs> right. It was a real risk. <laughs> right. So... Um, it is another reason to live below your means. That's how I kind of came to see it. Because if I was living, spending everything that I was making, I was going to go bankrupt. Yeah. But the way I went, I, I, I avoided it. I, uh, what I did, uh, I, at the same time, I realized that even though I cannot buy a truck, I can rent it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I went. To different dealer, they, they said, "Yeah, we have uh, a truck that you can rent." But because of that huge of the competition, everybody wants to to rent because you buy a used truck, it, be, it begins to break down on you. The only way to to not go bankrupt, you either finance it on your own or you f you rent you you rent. So I was lucky to rent. A new truck. And you got a line of credit about the same time too? Yes, or? I had one, uh, but because since my my uh, previous business, we uh, my friend, w was he went bankrupt. Right. He owed me all the money that I had invested in the business. Right. So I, ha I was experiencing two loss from my previous business and uh, my second business in the trucking. So as I was so angry to spending almost three years working so hard day in and day out, not seeing any progress. Yeah. So and I, t I, so I told my wife, we've come this far. But I don't if even if I will choose to, to stop, it, I think it, is, it will be the best mistake that we can make. I chose to break through, no matter what it took. So this time my wife, I tell her, this time we had my second child. It was uh, 2016. <clears throat> the pressure 
continues to mount. The, the pressure yeah. was mounting dramatically. And uh, my wife, she began to wonder what happened to me. She advised me that I take the truck back to the dealership. I, I told her, if I do that, they will ruin, ruin all my social security, all my identity, then I'm going to have to wait another eight years because that's what they do. She said, I told her I'm not going to return the truck back to them, but instead I'm going to do whatever it takes. If it's going to take me to work two jobs, I will work it until I pay it off. So that's the price I paid. It took me uh, two years to pay off the semi-truck, but it got to the degree when the DOT came in because I was fixing it, so another thing broke down. So finally, I received a letter from the Department of Transportation saying that my company is so risky, they were gonna cease, ask me to cease the operation. Mm. Yeah. That was like another wake up moment. More pressure. More pressure. And I told, I said, I'm not going to back off. I'm going to pack the truck. I'm going to rent. If I cannot rent, I'll return to be a company driver. But uh, I also realized if I will go back to being a company driver, they will be driving me back like California to New York, live again, continuing to, live, to stay away from my family, yeah. which it wasn't a choice. I said, no. So by the grace of God, I, I was praying. Sure. Day in and day out for God's guidance. And then uh, my wife, uh, I told her, it'll take me three years to get out of this mess. But uh, three years is not, it's not a very long time if you are patient. So let's be patient. So I began, once I got that rented the truck, I was running like like I'm going through here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was driving from Iowa to Florida, from Florida to the Red border, like Texas border. Yeah. So this time I was running under my own authority that I have all the official documents that they said, now you are a company, you can run on your own, you can run your business the way you see fit, but uh, make sure your safety is under control yeah. because we want to keep the public safe. I was subjected to that. I was okay. Now, the truck that I was renting, if something broke down, they will be fixing it. Yeah. I was like, oh, now this is how the game is played. <laughs> right. You rent the truck, you let them do, deal with the maintenance since they have the shops, sure. they have the technicians to deal with the maintenance. I was like, okay, I'm going to be renting. But the other problem was I still had to pay the other truck. Right. That wasn't running. So, and then finally... I was able to make enough to pay off my first truck. The moment I paid off, I sold it. Right. I was able to sell it at a 50% loss. This market value was at 30000 but I sold it for 14000 So it was a huge loss again. Right. So I tell you, for the, since 2014 to 2018, I was just working just to put the name out there. Yeah. And then uh, 2018, it had messed up all my line of credit. As I was going through that, Wells Fargo came in. They said, your line of credit, you, you've overused it, and now we're going to reduce it. So they decreased it down to 60%. Yeah, well, they did that across the country. 
Oh, not just you. And then when I went to check my credit score, <laughs> it, I was in five hundreds. Then I began to think it took me since two thousand ten to build my credit score, and now we are in twenty eighteen. But yet I have five hundred fifty credit score. Then that then that's when I knew I was building on the sand. I was like, no, this is not reliable. Right. More lessons, more pressure. Yeah, more pressure, yeah. more lessons. Now that I discovered that we cannot continue to rely on the banking system, and and I had to feed my family at the same time. And uh, my wife was like, you need to return to being an employee. And I said, if I return to being an employee, it will be worse. Being an employee, you, have, you don't have any control at all. The number one thing is the taxation that happens. And the other thing is uh, the control that it takes. So you are always working in that environment that will never set you free. Right. And then I said, what happens if I, I get fired again? Because I had been working from one job to another for years and years. I was like, the only way to survive is to stay to my company. This, at this point, no one can fire me. So I will be responsible to run my company the way I see fit. But if I can get to the degree where I can be able to afford a brand new truck, then I will be up and running. I said, this is my focus now going forward. She said, I'll stick with you. <laughs> and now 2018, we heard our, my third child, another pressure. <laughs> she said, how are we going to make it? I said, we will make it. I'm wondering the same thing. <laughs> how are you going to make it? <laughs> how are we going to make it? <clears throat> and then uh, I said, even though we do not see the path, God will, prov will provide a path. We came in America by the grace of God. Right. So if we ended up making it here, we've made it this far. So I think... We're going to make it. And then uh, I began, now that I, I no longer rely on the banking system, and I also realized as a Christian, uh, the Bible says that if a friend of yours takes something like steal something from, from you, do not ask them to return it. I was, I was bound by that. I said, I do rather let people steal from me, but I'll never steal from someone else. Yeah. So... I've, I sit down, I said, let me do a review since 2014 to 2018. How much did I lose with all the efforts that I had been, then I discovered 200,000 as what's going through all that. And I said, if I can find a way to take this under control, this mind that I lost, it will come back. So, and then uh, finally, I, I found this dealer in uh, Pennsylvania. I applied. He ran my credit score. It was like, it's unacceptable. <laughs> I was like, are we going to stay to being an employee, being taxed? Is this is the only way of life? I was like, no, there got to be a better way. I was like, if I can be 
learning. Actually, I think I need to to buy more books. Then uh, there's this man uh, out of uh, Arizona. His name is Robert Kiyosaki. He's so focused on the financial education, just like you are. I saw what he was teaching about how the school system was designed to create employees. I was like, yeah, I could see it now. So, and then everyone come from school, from college, everybody's thinking to go find a job, but no one is thinking of creating one. And then as a result, we are subject to 40 hours of work from whatever age, 18, maybe depending, age 16, until you turn age 65. And then you are subject to one week vacation. If you miss a day, they want proof of that and that, a doctor or whatever. Trucking industry is tough, huh? It really is. <laughs> yeah. And then, look, 200000 in debt, <laughs> and uh-huh. you got quite the education. I got all the education. Uh, or you could go to university and maybe graduate with $200,000 in student loans. Yes. My point is you're going to pay for your education. We all pay for our education. And I said, so. whether you want it or not, you will pay in a form of regret <laughs> or you will pay in a form of discipline. Yeah. That's what Jim Rohn. We all suffer from one of two pains. That right? is what I came to. I love that. Yes. So so I've paid in the form of regret, <laughs> but at the same time, I thank God that I went through this while I still have enough time. I'm still young. Yeah, but look, what you've <laughs> shared, you've also... Uh, suffered from the pain of discipline too. Yeah. Okay. So you were suffering from both pains. <laughs> <laughs> I was. And then uh, I told my wife, the moment I get my first brand new truck, this will be over. Then uh, as I was trying to get the truck from the dealer in Pennsylvania, I explained to him, he asked me, why did you end up so bad in that situation? I told them, the dealership that sold me the truck, they sold me an unreliable truck that will not be able to do the business. He gave me a second chance. He said, I'll approve you this, but how much you're going to put down? Because these semi-trucks are so expensive, even today, you're looking just for the truck alone, you're looking about 150, we're talking, prior to the pandemic, and I, they are oh. in 200s. Yeah. And then uh, they won 20% down. I was like, how am I going to afford that? Finally, my truck, the, the one that was breaking down on me yeah. for all this time, I found a friend who knew a little bit about make, uh, repairs. He, he, he had some skills to fix it. I told him everything about the truck. Then... He gave me uh, 40% of of his market value. Because I never want, wanted to tell him that the truck is fine while I already knew. Right. I, I never wanted to say something unreliable because of the consequences that it took me through. Sure. And then uh, he said, I'll give you 40% of what it's worth. I said, bring it. So I sold it for 14000 And then at the same time, I've uh, made another 6000 so now I had 20,000. Then uh, I told the dealer that uh, I was gonna give them the 20,000. 
they were gonna give me that brand new truck with an agreement to to repay uh, another ten because the twenty percent of that hundred fifty they were looking about thirty thousand, yeah. and then uh, I paid. Uh, I gave them the twenty. They uh, they agreed to to me paying another ten within six months. Yeah. <clears throat> to this point, I had all the control. I knew how to find loads. I knew how to insure the truck. I knew the best markets where to run the truck. And then I began to run the truck. Everything was changed from that point in until today. That's how I, I didn't go bankrupt. All the debts, all the people that were supporting me. I had the strong people. As I was going through that, uh, I found uh, one uh, one uh, man who he owned the shop. He's he's uh, he's older that just like you. Uh, hey, I'm young. Nah, he, I think he's in seventies. Yeah, I'm way younger than that. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just to respect him. Sure. Yeah. He was so kind enough for me. He saw how I was so driven. He said. I will be fixing your truck. You go make it all the income that you think you can get your hands on, and then you'll be paying me on a monthly basis, or whenever you see you can. Yeah. So he kept it to be on my hands. Every time the truck broke down, I went to him. So I also ended up owing him another 18000 because of that kind of kindness that he was putting to me. Yeah. And then uh, 2018, I was approved for my first brand new truck after I told them what I had been going through and how I overcame. He said, you are good at it. I'm going to trust in you. So at the same time, now I was like, okay, I'm going to focus now to paying the 18000 that I owe the, to, the, to the mechanic. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, I still owed another ten to the previous down payment. And then uh, I called the dealer. I said, it's going to take me possibly another six months before I can, because you're looking at all the the fees that I have to pay to the, to the government to get the truck legal. He said, we understand what is happening. So they were patient with me. He actually told me, it'll take you, uh, I'll give you another year. Yeah, because he could see the kindness or the efforts. I've done everything in my power. And then uh, it was uh, last year. Instead of being six months, it ended up being two years. I went back to him. I said, I'm sorry. It took longer than I thought, but he's your money. Then he was like, how hard did you have to work? I, I told him I was working 60, 70 hours each week. I said, I'm proud of you. Come back next year if you want another truck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've made it. Finally, that is how I didn't go bankrupt. Yeah. And now uh, I, I realized I cannot continue to rely on the banking system. I was like, if I'm going to succeed in this industry, that means every four to five years, I need to have saved enough money to finance another semi-truck. Yeah. But the problem was, what happened if I get ill? 
because all this was running using my own energy, all the experiences. What happened if I get ill and then I ended up maybe missing? What happened if I could fall into, get into an accident where I can no longer be able to drive the truck? And then I saw another risk there that uh, there's a, a risk, maybe potentially, that I could lose the truck. Yep. Then I was like, no, I'm not gonna keep playing this game. Then uh, I began to read the books again. I went to the library, I, would be, I began to search for books that will be teaching about any financial situation. And then uh, I bought my first book uh, written by this name, guy, uh, Robert Kiyosaki in yeah. Arizona. He also have uh, an education platform, just right. like you. So I bought his first book. It's, it's The title of it is like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. I wrote that book. I finished it. Was, he talked about the powerful corporations and all the incentives or, and how the riches don't pay taxes. I was like, hmm. It picked up my imagination. I went to read it. Finally, I was like, I got it from a corporation. I was like, now how, how do I do it? Then I went to the banks. I asked, I asked one of the bankers, how do you form a corporation? Yeah. They said, you just go to the secretary of the state, they get set you up. Then at the same time, I was like, then what's the purpose of the corporation? I, I was like, then I kept learning. And then finally, uh, I was like, my business is not reliable. I can go out of business now. The truck's still owned by uh, the dealer, but all I have is just my company that you just don't have any assets. It's just, the documents only that say, hey, you can, you can run. Then I was like, instead of forming a corporation, let me, uh, let me see how I can run the track individually and see maybe for another two years how this will play out. Then I can form a corporation. And then at the same time, I need to get that truck registered. Yep. So I go to the DOT, they say, you need form 2290. I was like, what is 2290? You can get it at IRS. Then I go to the IRS. They ask for, they told me I need to apply for it. Then uh, it's another tax. I was like, my God, 2290 is another form of tax. They want to tax the business. That is not even in existence. Hmm. That is what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get theirs first. <laughs> <laughs> they want to get their affairs first. Yeah. And, and the trickiest part of it is you won't get the truck registered until you have you pay that tax. Right. Yeah. And, and then uh, I, I applied for that. Then I was subjected to paying that tax on an annual basis. Before you get your truck renewed, the registration, you have to pay that tax first. And then... Uh, I went, I was like, the, once I was applying for the form 2290, they said you need to file another, I think it's W4 form to get your employer identification number. Now I was like, am I going to be treated like an employer? The E9 or yeah. the EIN number. The yeah. EIN number. Yeah. Then legally I realized that now I'm being treated like a, like a huge corporation. Why I'm still one man. 
running a business and not knowing that he even survive. You just want to drive and take care of your family, huh? <laughs> yeah, I want to take care of my family. But now I'm being treated like a, a corporation sure. that employs hundreds of employees. I was like, no, this is the opposite, what I thought it was. And then I was up, they, they gave me this menu of choosing how I want to be taxed. That is the sole proprietorship, the partnership, the LLCs, the S Corp, and uh, C Corp. C Corp. Yeah. I was like, choose now. It's like, how, how do I know which one to choose? The, finally, I kept reading the book and uh, I came up to another man uh, in Arizona as well. He wrote this book about uh, how to start your own corporation. I, I bought the book, I read it. Then he, he began to show me how businesses were using corporations to yeah. protect themselves against the outside creditors. I was like, yeah, now it makes sense. And then uh, at the same time, I was like, this is not my truck. Even if something was to happen, it would go back to the owner, to the dealer. And then I was like, okay. But the financing side of it is still continued to be a huge burden. Okay, now I was like, what is missing here? I saw that instead of focusing on opening the corporation, I'm going to focus on to save as much money that I can so that next time whenever that truck comes breaking down, then I'll be in the position to replacing it with a new one. Then... uh, now I had nothing to do with the banks because during all these times that I went to asking for commercial loan, they were asking a lot of stuff that a startup can never be right. able to afford. Then I also saw that they were looking real assets to collateralize in order to get you that, that loan. So I was like, hmm. Should we assume that no one can be successful in America because of all these uh, regulations that are surround us? I was like, I'm going to keep digging until I find a solution. Look, Domestine and I had a great time discussing, you know, his experience and his history. So it went a little long. So we're going to end it here and we're going to pick it up on the part two. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.